Hello, this is Jason from A Nice Place to Brew. Just wanted to give a little intro here for episode 6. This is A Nice Place to Brew's first mobile episode. We have gone beyond a studio environment. We've uh, gotten a cover level with some mobile technology, which will, able, which will give us the ability to record shows outside of a regular studio environment. This was recorded live at Joliet Brewers Guild's Oktoberfest party, where we met up with a number of friends of ours, including our friends Dan, Brett, and Jason from Metal Monkey Brewing. Metal Monkey Brewing is about to make the step from home brewing into going professional, as they say. They're about to open their own brewery, and it's going to be in Romeoville, Illinois. They're working very diligently to uh, bring the operation up to, uh, up to opening point. Uh, with the hopes that opening will be later on this year. Uh, so check them out on, uh, on the w- uh, web and social media as Metal Monkey Brewing. Uh, this was really a great conversation. Their, their story is very reminiscent for many people in the homebrew community and people that, uh, that strive to make that next step to a, to a professional setting. Um, we go over things going back to the very beginning, what, uh, what brought them to uh, brew, uh, brewing in a homebrew setting, what made them want to go professional, and their thoughts on the craft brewery um, environment right now and what that's going to bring in the future. This was a great conversation, and I hope you all enjoy it. The sound levels in this episode, I will say on the onset, are imperfect. We will aim to improve these levels for future shows as we uh, as we continue our A Nice Place to Brew mobile episodes. Uh, but uh, all, all in all, we were very pleased with the episode, so I hope you enjoy it. Cheers. Welcome to It's a Nice Place to Brew with Jason and George, a show about all things beer and beer making. Gentlemen, please broadcast responsibly. On the road or mobile? <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? I today, like them both. Today, today, I feel Let's go with mobile. <laughs> We're going with uh, mobile. Mobile. Yeah. This is a nice place to brew mobile. This is the uh, first of this type. Well, welcome. I'm Jason. I'm George. And we are here with Metal Monkey Brewing. Hey, what's up? Hello. 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 <laughs> We're talking with Metal Monkey as part of the uh, JBG Oktoberfest. Um, we were going to be uh, judging some beers, and I think that's uh, still going to happen. But uh, we thought we'd take a minute and uh, and talk to Metal Monkey and uh, and uh, kind of put some info out as far as uh, some big things that they're doing these days. Um, they are uh, they're making the uh, uh, step step that we all uh, that all us home brewers wish to be uh, to be making. Uh, they're uh, going pro. They've uh, signed a lease on a building and are uh, about to go legit, as they say. Are you guys uh, guys excited about this uh, this uh, next step? Yeah, absolutely. It's been kind of a long time in the making, and uh, we're so psyched to get moving on everything. Uh, we started working on the floors today there to trench out the where the drains are going to go, and it's a great step in the right direction and hopefully things will look a lot different a month from now over there <laughs> so uh, when did this uh i mean actually well, let's 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 go to the very uh go to the very start when did you, uh, how long have you guys all been uh, brewing separately and and together uh i've been brewing for about 12 years now um maybe 11 11 or 12 i don't remember exactly but uh yeah i started uh a while back when i got laid off from work and 
it seemed like an interesting thing to try, so I bought a book on it, read up on it for about a year, and then decided to go out and make it my first batch of beer. Nice. Now, I think Dan and I have been brewing together for about two and a half years now. Nice. Where was the uh, where was the mark where uh, where this became more than a hobby? Where where it really kind of came into focus that this could be something more and something professional for you? Honestly, we were sitting around at Brett's house one night drinking and said, hey, we should open a brewery. <laughs> that, that's honestly where the whole People. conversation got started. And how long ago was this? What was that? About two and a half years yeah. ago. Yeah. I think Dan's had the dream for a while, as you said. You know, Every home brewer has that dream and aspiration to someday go pro. For and, sure. Um, I always have wanted to um, brew and express interest. Dan said I should dust off my equipment and start brewing together but it's you know everyone has a pipe dream this has been our bottle dream as i call it now so for about two and a half years now bottle dream i like that so how long uh how 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 hard has the permit process been and getting everything settled so you guys can open up your brewery i know a lot of us look at it and go oh we just need a building and put some equipment in there and just go but i know there's more to it than that so how how has that process been for you guys there's been a lot more to it because that's what I thought originally too, <laughs> and I'm learning, or we're learning, that it's a little more difficult than that. So, um, aside from needing federal licensing, which there's an application that they have on their website, uh, the TTB that you fill out, and it take it took me probably a month or so to get everything everything finished on it. Um, and then there's, in addition to that, there's a state application, but the state application depends on the federal licensing being approved. And then there's all the local stuff, the, you know, the county health departments, the local liquor license, the local zoning, the local, um, what else, uh, building permits, right. uh, mm-hmm. which we just got our building permits approved the other day. I picked them up at Village Hall just the other day. Um so it's it's a little daunting, and I went into it, we went into it not knowing what the heck to do. So the a big thing for me, if anyone out there wants to do this, is make friends at City Hall. I was just going to say that. <laughs> they, that's they, great they, advice. Yeah, like go to them because that's what they're there to do. And hopefully you get awesome, nice people like we have, and they have held our hand every step of the way. That's great. That's great. Uh, we've talked uh, on previous shows about just kind of uh, flagship beers and, and ones that we kind of uh, kind of go back to, and I, and I know that's kind of the core of, of any brewery's process to kind of get get the recipes that uh, that you become most com- comfortable with, and you know what uh, becomes a go to for, uh, for for customers. Um, do you guys have like a certain uh, flagships or a certain number that that you think are really going to take off when the brewery opens? Oh, definitely. Um... We've been doing Funky Mucker, our Russian Imperial Chocolate Peanut Butter Stout, for a couple of years now. That's been a big hit and a fan and favorite. Um, Simeon Fever is a hibiscus wheat that we've been doing. We have three or four different variants on that one. And our Pineapple Goes Bikini Bottom is becoming very popular, and that one's probably end up going to be being on the tap list all the time. Uh, I happen to be uh, drinking one of those right now, and I I will speak to that. It's Cheers. it's very good. Yes. <laughs> Cheers. You can't hear the plastic cups. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bit of a different cheers when there's plastic cups, but no, it's but it's but it's very good. So, where if you had some advice for a home brewer that is just starting out, that 
maybe has this pipe dream or bottle dream, as you call it, <laughs> in the future, um, what would be your primary suggestion for them? Dial in a handful of beers, brew as often as you can. Um, I've been doing what I call a lot of liquid research over the last couple of years too. <laughs> get out and try, try every different style and type of beer you can, as well as especially if you're going to open an own plate, your own place, and have like a tap room. Go to as many breweries and tap rooms. Take notes. Look at what works for them, what doesn't work for them. We have, it's not literally written now, but we have a list of things that we've picked up at places like, oh, we like that they did this or this place doesn't have that and just uh, research. Research, that, yeah. That's, that's great advice. On that note, I'll, I'll uh, just ask a more basic question. What, uh, what beers out there have you had, like, say, in the last few months that you've really enjoyed? Other than Metal Monkey, we do a lot of reviews on our show, so sure. having third-party reviews would be good. Um, one that I really love that uh, just recently started selling cans in this area of it is a uh, Surly Todd the Axeman. That's mm. a delicious. Uh, was it an IPA? Anyone know? Yeah, yeah. I know. I, it's an IPA or a pale ale, but it's a. Uh, it's with uh, Mosaic hops, and it is just absolutely outstanding. If you could get your hands on a four-pack buy it what about you brett i'm actually looking at my untapped list because i'm trying to trying to recall any um jason anything from you one that i really have been going back to uh from illinois is big muddy down in murfreesboro they make a galaxy ipa that's really good and they just came out with x2 which is like galaxy mosaic and amarillo it's a double ipa and they just started canning and getting beers shipped up I guess we call it up north of Illinois here now. And <laughs> I think everything they've been making so far has tastes really good. It's, it's down, like I said, down in southern Illinois, and it's quite tasty. Nice. Nice. Yeah, well, uh, if we're all sharing beers, I was down in Florida recently and, and had a Brooklyn Brown from New mm-hmm. York. Um, that was very good. Uh, and it was... Is a very good representation of a brown ale. It kind of a little bit bitter, kind of nutty, and nice. and very good. Very nice. Yeah. Looking through my tap list, we did a little bottle share a couple of weeks ago. Um, a lot of the classic Belgians were um, doing it for me. The, we had a couple of different variants of the Chimay, uh, Saint Bernard's ABT Twelve, um, the Belgians. I, I love the Belgians. <laughs> nice. Nice. If I can ask a more of a business uh, question for you guys, sure. the uh, the craft brew scene certainly has exploded over the last year and a half to to two years, um, and it impacts all of us because you know George and I had started brewing you know in, kind of in line with with the rise in this, and we've obviously obviously learned in line with with a lot of the things that are happening out there. Um, being that this is as popular as it is, how do you guys expect that this is going to impact you? Say. For the first year and, and maybe beyond that, seeing just kind of what what's gonna what's gonna uh, continue from this trend, or is it gonna change pretty dramatically? I think the trend is gonna continue upward uh, as far as the percentage of craft beer or the percentage that craft beer has in the marketplace. Because right now, we're I think we're just above ten percent is what craft beer is as far as uh, total beer sales. And I think there's a lot of room for improvements. I recently heard a statistic that in California, craft beer sales are 50% of all beer sales. So 
if that's any indication, there's a lot of room for improvement. Wow. Um, and they've had not trend setters in That really excites me to hear yeah. that. Yeah, it does. And uh, and I think it's great that there's a lot of you know new brewers coming out uh, all over the place. It, and it's such a great community, too, uh, which there's no other industry like it. Uh, we walked into uh, Chicago Brew Works yesterday, and there was a newspaper article about us on the bar. Well, like what other industry can you can you go into your competitor's uh, business and see something promoting you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've taken another great example is we've taken some of our beers to other breweries to share with the owners and brewers there, and they open them up immediately and start sharing them with their customers. So rather than selling their beer, they're popping our six pack and pouring it around and giving us props and spreading the love. And you don't see that. I mean, the restaurant industry is a great example. You can't go into another restaurant and start handing out cards and stickers promoting your stuff or tell people, oh, come try my steak because they'll kick you kick you to the curb. And, and yeah. I think a lot that of people, is a great point, yeah. I think a lot of people, people keep saying, oh, the, the bubble is going to burst. And then a lot of people will counter that and say, well, Look at the number of wineries that are in the United States. It, bring that up. Breweries pale in comparison to numbers. Like you can, for example, drive up to Michigan and every exit there are three, four, five wineries. It's breweries compared to wineries is a you know a third at the very at, at the most. You know, so in you know people obviously the same same thing when wineries took off. Mm-hmm. If years if the bubble's going to burst, it's going to be multiple many oh, yeah, you know years yeah. from now. An- so another uh, another interesting thing I saw was. Uh, the president of the Illinois Craft Brewers Guild, Justin Maynard, who's an awesome guy, uh, somebody asked him recently, when do you think the bubble's going to burst? He's like, I think the craft beer bubble's going to burst probably around the same time the hamburger bubble bursts. <laughs> <laughs> you go around the area, there's a million places that sell hamburgers, not just the big chains, and That's there's true. more popping up every day. It's uh, And traditionally, every town had its own brewery before distribution was a thing. Every town had its local brewery that made beer for the town, and you know, that all went away as people cities evolved, and now it's kind of going back to that where each town's getting a couple breweries in it, and, you know, it's their little claim to fame, and you make your locals happy, and that's the thing we always promote, drink local, and it's great. Yeah. Breweries used to be the local meeting spot for people, you know, if, yeah. even if it was, you know, you didn't have your village hall meetings there, but it was the place where people went and talked local politics and policies and stuff, and starting to see more and more of that. And another great thing, too, is, I like going around and seeing people that I've seen at other breweries <laughs> yeah. hanging out and recognizing friendly faces. And but I think at this day and age, people want to make their dollar go farther, so they want more bang for their buck, so you get a better quality product, and you're supporting someone who's local. And I know that's one thing we've always talked about, like local construction company, local architect, like, you know, let's get local companies to come in and do different events that we got a million ideas for because you, you're giving back to the same community you're a part of, and you just kind of reinvest that money back into other aspects of the community. Thank you. So one of the things that has been big with the craft brewing scene is the collaboration and working with other people and sharing ideas and such. So uh, one of the things that has been big with uh, microbreweries and craft breweries has been that feeling of collaboration and working with another brewery to mm-hmm. produce a beer. Solomoth just recently did one that we that we showcased called Conquest with another brewery. Is that something you guys are considering um, doing with uh, another brewery? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we've uh, recently talked with a, a few other breweries, and they're interested in doing some collaborations. Uh, 
uh, one of them, Urban Legend up in Westmont. Uh, we were talking with a brewer just the other night, and he's like, hey, if you guys want to do a collaboration, I'm like, I am all for it. I love that kind of thing. And I think it's a great way to promote both of us as well as to, you know, just pr- promote craft beer in general. Right, and you build know. those bonds. Exactly. Another great example is 350 for their one-year anniversary party did what they called Brewer's Roulette or Brulette, where they randomly drew the two breweries that were going to participate. It was a style, style, three different hops, and a sponge, one or two special adjuncts. It was supposedly all randomly drawn, and some crazy beers came out of that. I didn't make it to the fest to try any, but... Everyone was super excited to do it. They paired up people that probably would have never worked together before, and you just don't see that in other industries at all. And that, that really is a great point. That there's definitely more of a sense of community within the uh, microbrewing uh, brewing scene as compared to many other industries, and that's that's something that's very cool. I mean, from either an outsider or even or even being an insider, just just the fact that there's so many people that you would think would be competitors in another market that you consider friends. Everyone's very passionate about what they're doing and they want to see the craft beer scene grow and we want to see people without Bud Light and Miller Light and Stroh's cans in their hands because there is a tastier alternative and people are starting to get smarter I think and I've never seen a Stroh's can. That <laughs> <laughs> it's been that's twenty. A it's been, <laughs> that's a very good thing. But I, yeah, I can't I tell you think how many another. family and friends that once I started brewing a couple of years ago that you know you, get, you let them try it, and I've had some hardcore Bud Light, Miller Light guys and and women go, "Oh my God, that's unbelievable!" And I've turned a few people who would never drink anything but Coors Light into the complete opposite where now they will not touch yep. a Coors Light and they only will drink a craft beer. And I'm the same way now. Like years ago, yeah, I would drink as many Coors Lights as you put in front of me. But now it's like I want something that tastes good. I want a flavor. I want a something's got some dimension to it. And it's it's amazing how much that has changed. Yeah, my grandfather was telling me that I've kind of ruined him on Coors Light. <laughs> you know, sh- sharing different beers and different beer styles with him. He's... He's now got variety packs of, like, Sam Adams and things in his fridge. <laughs> and so it's, you know, it's still major market beers, but it's hey, definitely okay. more tasty than, right. you know, your average silver bullet. So right. I hate hearing people say, I don't like craft beer. And it's like, no, you've never had a well-made beer. <laughs> right. That, and it's, it's, it's a plunge to jump in, and, you know, it's a commitment to go out and buy a random six-pack of something you never had before. So if you even have a friend that knows good beer and can let you try stuff it's there's no turning back once you have something with flavor and well craft beer too is one of those things that you there's it's such a range that i'm sure there's some craft beer that a person would hate oh yeah but then there's that then there's the different style Mm -hmm. that would would speak to them right and it's always hard to try to initiate someone into it because you want them to like what you like but they're not going to want to you know, barrel-aged imperial stout if they're just off the, you know, Coors Light train. <laughs> uh, they're not going to want a double IPA or a triple IPA or something that's just going to melt their taste buds with hops. They're, you know, so you got to kind of introduce them, you know, slowly. But, you know, if somebody has a well-made beer or a beer made with love and, you know, local ingredients, you're never going to find a beer that tastes better than one that you can get locally. Um but once you have them on board, they'll be they'll be hooked. Yeah. 
this may sound cheesy to say, and uh, but I'll be, I'll be curious to hear your take. There's just something very cool about putting a recipe together and seeing it all the way to the point where you're trying it yourself and sharing it with other people. Mm-hmm. There's there's something very very cool about you know that whole process from start to finish. I agree. Yeah, I. I love seeing something through to the finish, and it doesn't always come out how you want it. <laughs> you know, there have been a number of beers that we've been, you know, so, you know, excited to get going, and then we drink it and we're like, oh, yeah, that that's not good. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, w- more often than not, you come up with something, and it tastes just how you envision it, and that's so cool to just see it being able to go from grain to glass and, you know, just come out exactly. How seeing you like someone's it. first reaction is always the best thing too. It's like, try this. I made it, and they're like, "You made that?" <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> so one of the things that we try to do on our show is teach people how to do different things. Like we taught them about, we try to teach them about gravity, about kegging, uh, and things in, of that nature. What uh, tools do you guys use um, that you think are kind of quintessential to what you could do? Do you use, like, software or anything like that that would be? Yeah, we, we usually do develop a recipe, or we'll we'll come up with an idea for a recipe and then use the software to kind of tweak everything on it, to make it the way we think it should come out. And then from there, we'll we'll go back and tweak it depending on how it comes out if we feel that it's a recipe that should stick around. So um, I, I personally use beer tools. I've used it for a number of years. And I, I want to start using Beersmith because that's a great one. I just I bought beer tools years ago, so I get all the free upgrades for it. <laughs> so I've just been kind of too cheap to go buy the new software. Uh, I know Jason uses uh, Beersmith. Yeah, Beersmith has been great because you can, you know, it, it lets you adjust things on the fly, and you, know, you get your, you pick your style. It tells you what your ranges should be from the get go if you want to brew a, a specific style, and then you can, you know, add a pound, take a pound away from there, and you kind of really can dial in your gravity and get your numbers spot on, and then tweak it as you go along. And they have a lot of examples that are for free to download too. You can, you know, they have a lot of Northern Brewer recipes built in there that they sell yeah. from their store, mm-hmm. and then you can. Do it yourself from there in case you don't want to order it online. You go to your local store and pick up all the ingredients that come in a Northern Brewer kit, for example. Brett? I'll, I go on to Beersmith if I have an idea for a beer. So I try to do a little research there, look at four or five recipes, and like, okay, let's use this from here or that from there, and then kind of hand it over to Dan, who's our Simeon overlord and head brewer, and <laughs> <laughs> let, him, let him formulate how much of everything should be in there. And But it's kind of just hunting and pecking and throwing stuff together it's the same way i cook though too eh? (laughs) so another question um what's the most off the wall thing that you guys have done that has either turned out to be spectacular or you ended up dumping it down the drain like what's the most off the wall thing you guys have you're kind of forming your brewery around kind of non-standard beers it seems so like what's the most off the wall thing you've done Personally, for me, years ago, I wanted to do a beer that uh, tasted like bacon. Um, and I thought it would be a great idea. I wanted it to be – it kind of morphed from a bacon beer to a bacon – or to a breakfasty type beer. So I, I had spent a, a lot of time uh, with my smoker smoking the grain um, and then let that sit for 
probably a month before I used it because I had read that you should let it sit after you smoke it. Uh, then when I brewed the beer, it was kind of a brownish amber ale that I put some maple syrup in. I missed the gravity horribly because I don't, I don't even remember why. This was probably seven or eight years ago. And so I decided to compensate for that. I would just pour in more maple syrup. <laughs> so it ended up just, it was terrible. It was absolutely <laughs> terrible. Um, one friend of mine loved it. And I don't know that he actually loved it, but he was unemployed at the time and <laughs> would drink it. So uh, he drank every bottle that I had of it. I, I just thought it was the worst thing I ever made. And it was one of those beers that, you know, you, you spend at the time I wasn't brewing very often. So I spent so much of my time and energy thinking about this recipe, putting it together, making it that by the time it didn't turn out how I wanted, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling some some guys earlier outside at the party that I tried to make a peanut butter and jelly beer that failed miserably. You know, you were supposed to get the the fruit esters from the yeast and then add powdered peanut butter to the secondary, and I screwed that up. And then I tried to compensate with like a raspberry extract to balance out something, and it just it it went from bad to worse. And after three months of trying and waiting, I was like, "All right, it's going down the drain." And <laughs> it was it's frustrating to dump a batch of beer. But I was like, I'm never going to let anybody ever try this beer. Like <laughs> and I will never try to make this beer again because it was just horrible. And it's like, Brett, anything crazy? Um, Dan and I tried to do a root beer a few years ago. It was one of the first days we did a, a double brew day. We went out and bought all the traditional root beer spices and had it all together. Uh, we threw an extra couple pounds of weed in there because it sounded good and it really spiked the gravity on it. It's been sitting in a fermenter for two and a half years, and we can't bring ourselves to throw it away. We were so excited pouring it into the carboy. We ran it through a funnel that had all the spices in it, and it was foaming up like a root beer would, and we were so, so excited. Well, before it fermented, it tasted great. And it's it's it just was... very hot. So I think Dan threw in another batch of spices about six months later, and... So hot, meaning that it was uh, a lot of alcohol Very, flavor? Yes. Yeah. I okay. think we hit 12.5% on it, which was a little more than That's we wanted. That's a little but. high, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, it, ha- it has a very medicinal flavor to me, which it, 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 when I drink it, it's like, it's like NyQuil to me. <laughs> it's terrible. And like he said, we can't bring ourselves to toss it because maybe another couple months it'll mellow out. <laughs> But that's just not the case. <laughs> Dude, two and a half Co- years in. Wow. Yeah. A couple so, success stories we oh. can probably add, too, for crazy things. So it's not all negative. Um, we do uh, Kolsch or Kelsch, but Joel's not in the room anymore. Um, <laughs> we'd been playing around with the Kelsch, and we did, instead of dry hopping it, we put fresh lilacs that Dan went and chopped from his parents' yard. And that had a – I liked it. It was, I was really earthy good, yeah. and – Florally and a little different. Mm-hmm. And so a lilac kolsch. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it was dry hopped with lilacs that were fresh from freshly grown Naperville lilacs. <laughs> so local. Yeah, local exactly. ingredients. Sticking the local. <laughs> and I think what's funny is I remember when I first met Brett and Dan at the brew club, they brought the Simeon fever, and I was like, hibiscus, what is this? This is crazy. And it inspired me to make a beer of my own where I made a, a wheat IPA, and I put jasmine flowers in it, and it came out came out pretty decent i really liked it and we just recently actually brewed that again now that i'm 
have joined up with Metal Monkey, and we're going to be serving at Seshfest at Blue Island. So it's one of those beers you throw something kind of goofy off the wall in there, and it gives it that really big, like, floral, unique component to it. And not too many people are making jasmine beers, so it's kind of it's kind of nice yeah. to. That's it. It's we have a pepper beer coming out for the Sesh Fest, too, that has a Granada seasoning peppers, which is a heatless habanero in it. Um, my girlfriend described it the first time as it smells and tastes like a walk through the garden. Most people turn their nose up on pepper beers. They don't like the spice. I'm not a particular fan of spicy beers, too. But this one, you get all the florally, earthy pepper flavors without that kick in the face afterward. And and I still remember the first time you guys made that, and Dan's like, "Oh, these are you know heatless peppers." I was like, "Okay, sure." <laughs> <laughs> Jokes on me. Never heard of that before, but all right. <laughs> and sure enough, it's a good, great tasting beer. So, moral of the story, you know, don't be afraid to fail. Exactly. And you know, you, every once in a while, you do something off the wall, and it turns out really well. Yeah. So, with the internet. If you can come up with an idea, research and see if someone's done it. You can find out if it's worked for them or not, so you can just scrap it. If you find a lot of horrible stories of no success, but if you find a successful story, just read how they did it and take some advice and try it. Yeah. Or just try it anyway. Yeah, just try it anyway. If you have an idea, like I, I... When we first brewed the pineapple goes that you're drinking now, um, a number of people were telling me not to use pineapple to do this or that or the other thing and you know use canned pineapple use something else and i was like i don't want to do that i i don't particularly like the flavor of canned pineapple as opposed to fresh so we're going to do it the way i think we should do it and it came out how we expected it to right, yeah definitely take anything you read on the internet with a grain of salt oh for sure because oh the internet never lies <laughs> <laughs> we all know this. it's it's where the most opinionated people hang out and Yep. Most people's opinions are wrong, so it's <laughs> <laughs> so you guys you guys have mentioned it a couple times, but we're going to be at Session Fest with the Joliet Brewers Guild, and you guys are going to be at Session Fest doing your own thing uh, as mm-hmm. as a brewery tent. Yep. So um, that is on October tenth. October tenth. Yes. So we're looking forward to hanging out with you guys and serving beer up at Blue Island in Illinois. So that oh, should be we, a great day. We are really looking forward to that one. It's not often you have a beer fest where it's all low alcohol beers. Yeah. At four and a half percent or under, that's it's going to be cool. It's going to be really awesome to see what people come up with. Um, and just to show people that aren't big craft beer fans that you don't have to have an imperial stout for your craft beer. You could have a delicious, in our case, kind of off the wall flavors, but in a beer that you could drink all day long. So do you guys feel a little hamstring not being able to bring your funky mucker? No, no, not really. I no. actually we, we saw it as a good challenge and a good opportunity to revisit some of these recipes that we really liked. Okay, you know, every beer doesn't have to be a six percent get you drunk off your ass beer. There's a time and a place for nice light sippers. I mean, Noon Whistle out of Lombard is a great example. They specialize in session beers. They'll usually have one that on tap that runs eight to nine, but most of their stuff is four and a half five percent, and that's their specialty in their little little corner of the market this just might be the greatest advertisement for sesh fest that i think will <laughs> will we'll come to fruition before the event no this is fantastic no i i agree with everything you're saying and if if this doesn't uh doesn't uh inspire you to come out to sesh fest and uh try some of these beers i'm not sure what will uh just to throw out some details of this it's going to be uh saturday october 10th 
at Blue Island Brewery in Blue Island, Illinois. I believe the time is two I mean, o'clock. Is, is two o'clock to about uh, six p.m. If I, if I uh, remember correctly, um, look up Blue Island Brewery uh, on place. online. Uh, they, the website there will give you all the all the details. Um, yeah, and we'll be uh, we'll be serving a a, a Pilsner ale there yep. as well. And, and what are you guys bringing? We're bringing the Lilac White IPA that uh, Jason had mentioned, as well as the uh, Pepper IPA. Okay. Jasmine White. Jasmine White. Jasmine. Did I say? What did I say? You said Lilac. Oh, Lilac. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll blame it on Jasmine. The, we'll blame it on the bikini bottom. <laughs> and if we're not worn out from the work we did today, we're going to brew a lighter version of the hibiscus sweet also. Which will, be, which will be ready for uh, for Sesh Fest? It should be being. That's what we're hoping. Being That's lower alcohol. <laughs> Simeon Sniffles. Is Simeon Sniffles, one, yes. okay. Being lower alcohol, it shouldn't need as much time, and we do have a fresh yeast bed that we can hopefully throw that on and nice. have that done in a three or four days. Nice. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, to uh, talk with us. Uh, again, we're thrilled for you guys. We really are. You, I mean, you're, first of all, your beer is fantastic. Thank your you. Branding is fantastic. I, I have nothing nothing but high hopes for uh, for everything that's going to come up with MetalMonkeyBrewing.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, do you have social media links or or web links you want to oh, throw out there? Yeah, we're on Facebook. We're very active on the Facebook, especially now that we have this roller coaster of the build out going on we've been posting most of the steps along the way uh so metal monkey brewing on facebook we have metalmonkeybrewing.com uh we have a twitter presence we've got a rarely used instagram presence <laughs> okay <laughs> um but yeah I, for for most information check out the website or facebook very good metalmonkeybrewing.com will be in romeo uh romeoville illinois uh yep. check out the social media links for uh, for opening details and uh, check us out at SeshFest again, uh, October 10th. Uh, as we always uh, sign out, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll throw out ours as well. Check us out on, uh, online at uh, www.aniceplacetobrew.com. And uh, keep, uh, keep a lookout for, uh, for more shows. As, uh, as we mentioned on the, on the start of the show, we're now mobile, so we can, <laughs> uh, we can record on the road as well as in my house. So there'll be plenty more to come. You guys will have to come to the brewery sometime once we're open. Once we would very much look forward to that. Window, check the place out, get a sneak preview. That'd be, okay. that'd be great. Absolutely do that. Well, we always end the show uh, this way, and uh, this will be the first time uh, outside of just me and George, but uh, we always uh, end the show with this. Uh, it takes a lot of good beer to make great beer. So that being said, cheers. Cheers.